right now, at least one person on the jury said, I do not believe that the aggravating factors that we have agreed upon outweigh the mitigating factors. Therefore, Nicholas Cruz is not eligible for the death penalty. It only takes one person to say that, and it could have been more. The governor says it was one. We don't know. I don't know for sure. Uh, but he's going to be life in prison now as a result of this. I have yet to meet anybody who thought this was a good outcome or the right outcome, but that's why I like to have people on. You ask them the question. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Are we going to find a common ground on something yet? Well, and, and we might. I Believe it or not, I was in my car, and I was listening to every count that the jury was reading mm-hmm. off, and I thought I was almost misinterpreting what she was saying. Sure. Because I said, I can't believe that, you know, they're going to go down this road. That can't possibly be what they're you saying. Know, right. I thought the death penalty was just going to happen. Right. I really did. What a horrible, horrible situation. Indescribable. But it didn't happen. And I was very, very surprised. And to see the reaction of those parents yeah. and relatives of those babies that were killed, um, to have this guy live. Somebody on the radio this morning, Andrew, I think it was on your show, said the jury thought more of his life than the life of mm, these victims. Mm-hmm. And that's a rough statement. That that's, really is a rough yeah. statement to make. But that was something that was being said. So I was very surprised at the verdict. I really was. Meg, thoughts? I completely agree. Yeah. I come from a world where I grew up not believing in the death penalty. I'm from New England. and um, But since um, I think there's a place and a time for it, and mm-hmm. this is one of those places and times that I truly believe it. And, and look, I, you know, it. I think the system we have in place is there's all kinds of problems with the system. I think this really shows the flaw, the basic flaw in the requirement of unanimity. That you can have one or even maybe two people and you could have 10 jurors clearly convinced by the evidence. There's no question about his guilt. There's only a question about the appropriate penalty. And, of course, based on what the Supreme Court has said, both of the United States and of Florida, we have our protocol, which require basically unanimity at every step or else it doesn't happen. I I mean, it makes me think we should not have unanimity because no one person should be able to thwart such an obvious case. Meg? I 100% agree. And and I agree, Andrew. And it it was very interesting that you might could understand the verdict if someone just did not believe in the death penalty. I think that's a legitimate belief. Mm -hmm. I really do. However, they agreed in the jury selection process that they could listen to all the evidence and make a judgment insofar as the death penalty was concerned. That's right. So that must not have been the reason that that one jury, or maybe two or three, I don't know how many, um, came and said, um, no, we want life as opposed to death. And that's the thing. Look, I I respect people who oppose the death penalty. I disagree with you. That's fine. But if you can't vote for the death penalty, you can't sit on a capital trial. That's that's the whole point. And you you say in the voir dire, you say that you could put the death. So this person or persons, let's say one person, okay, this person either lied in the voir dire Mm -hmm. or they really looked at all of the aggravators and the mitigators and said that the aggravators are are not, you know, are do not outweigh the mitigators, which is inconceivable. It would be legally plausible, but it's inconceivable somebody could come to that conclusion. So you have to assume, I think a reasonable person says, no, they snuck on the jury. Right, exactly. And that's that's why this, you know, the unanimity requirement should not be there. Because what the reason we have unanimity is because we want to make sure we don't have any false convictions, right? We don't right, want to make right. any mistakes. Right. right. But, and that, and by the way, I actually support unanimity on the, like the fact finding side, like the, you know, did they commit it? And here he pled guilty, of course. Right? right. So that's not an issue. So that's not an objection. 
to having a tended to requirement. If we know for sure he's guilty, we can't make the mistake because we know he's guilty. Right. Anyway, I just, there's, it's it's uh, it's very frustrating, and I know a lot of people are you know basically waking up this morning and thinking, my God, you know why why do we have a death penalty if we can't take a case right. like this? But there's no recourse. Right. The judge can't change anything. It's over now. It's all over. Yeah, it's, it's over. totally over. Absolutely. And um, that's, um, in the eyes of many people, that's a shame. And, yeah. and, and by the way, had the jury said, we do believe the aggravators outweigh the mitigators, and then said, but we recommend for life, the way I understand it is that under the pool precedent right now, a, a judge could then apply the death penalty, but because they said no on the outweighing, right. he can't, we're done, or she can't, we're done. I think you're right. 437-1620, turning to a very different subject. Um, Escambia County is now dealing with, and Santa Rosa, everybody is dealing with this question of the school books, right? The, or the, the, not the, the books that are in the school libraries. Uh, we have rules put in place by recent laws like the Stop Woke Act that have changed some of this. We have always had obscenity laws, anti-obscenity laws, so you, you can't have true obscenity in the library. But um, the Escambia County specifically is dealing with this. Interesting side note on this. The librarians are not ordering new books because they haven't received the training on what the law requires and they won't get it till January. So librarians, apparently the school librarians in Escambia schools and I'm sure elsewhere are on pause against ordering books because they haven't even gotten the training yet how to implement this law. I mean, that's just I can't. not well organized at all. Um, oh, and by the way, we're buying 10 copies of each of these books in order to make sure that everybody can read them before they decide that they're inappropriate. So the school system is now spending money to buy the objected to books. Isn't that amazing? So all of that aside, what do you think? The, the plan basically is to have uh, three levels of permission. You know, a kid's going to be, they can read everything. Uh, a kid's going to, you know, they, they can read everything but the prohibited stuff or they can read nothing. That's kind of the, and then it's whether you opt your kid in to permissions at a younger age or opt them out of permissions at an older age, like a high school age, because the books that are objected to are going to either be temporarily, like right now they're in this kind of sequestered area, or eventually be put sort of permanently in that, unless they're determined to be truly obscene, in which case they have to go entirely from the library. Thoughts about what's happening here? Meg, you have very concerned look on your I, face. This whole thing makes me crazy. I the, I did not know about the levels and that the parents could opt. I love that. Like, let's leave it up to the parents. I am currently not a parent, but um, knowing that it's um, it's a parent up to the parents' discretion, kids are they're too young to make consent on anything so um leave it up to the parents individually but way better than leaving it up to the school board yeah i mean uh, the school board making a decision for all kids is it's does not seem like no. the way they to don't go. know all kids you know and, all kids are different right some have different levels of, of competence and what they can and can't um understand and i love leaving it up to the parents yeah and you know like you say letting there be having there be one rule for everybody doesn't make sense but same by the same token letting everything be available to everybody doesn't make sense mike well and that's true and i i think some of this current controversy um comes from a very few people oh sure that's 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 one thing that bothers me um has this been a problem for years and years and years and years and years i've never heard of this being a problem we have school librarians i don't know if y'all know any i know some and they are they know what books you can put in the library for elementary school students but they know what books they can put in for high school students and to have a someone reading these books and making a 
um, very subjective decision about whether it's going to be allowed to be read or not, to me, is, is not a, a, a good procedure to go through. I agree with Meg. I do. Parents, can, if they say, I don't want my child to read this book, fine. That's, that's, that's up to parents. I think that's legit. But otherwise, I'm not sure we're going through a whole, whole lot of um, arguments and debate and that type of thing over something that we really don't need to. We're, we're actually talking about now having like one day every month set aside for in case we need to review books and have a conversation about them is kind of where the school board is at at the moment. Now, a lot of, they're going to talk about this this morning. Uh, they're going to talk about this on Tuesday and make a final rule. Uh, we'll come back and talk about this a little bit because I have some follow-up questions, but let's get a uh, traffic on the fives from Candy Cullerton. If you need help with planning your business benefits, let Torgus and Causey help lead the way. Go to tcbenefitsgroup.com. Fairfield Drive and Ruby Avenue Showing an accident, but no roadblock. We do see an inside lane blocked at North W in Yoakum Court in Pensacola. Spring and Garden is closed and about a block north and south of that as well due to major utility construction, but plenty of drive arounds. And if you see an accident or slowdown, you can text 437-1620. I'm Candy Cullerton with your traffic on the fives. Entertainment legend, Frankie Avalon. Sunday, October 23rd at the Sanger Theater. Reserve seats are on sale now through Ticketmaster.com or the box office. Make my wish come true. Don't miss an unforgettable experience with Frankie Avalon. Vote yes. For more jobs. Vote yes. To help local businesses grow. Vote yes. To lure businesses to Escambia County. Vote yes for the economic development. Ad valorem tax exemption. The economic development ad valorem tax exemption, known as E-Date, has been in place in Escambia County for 30 years. A driver for economic growth. In the last three years, E-Date helped create 5,400 new jobs and $1.2 billion in investment in Escambia County. Vote yes. For the economic development ad valorem tax exemption. Pay political advertisement paid for by Elevate Escambia. PO Box 30052, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Drive home with Bobby Rossi in Pensacola right now. Afternoons at 4 on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Good morning, 849 News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay, and joining me in studio here, we have Meg Burke, the executive director of Pensacola Young Professionals, and also Mike Wiggins, host of the Garden Line, former mayor, um, noted liberal about town, which is why I have mine. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. He's such a good friend. I'm so proud of it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I was, I was kind of mentioning to you guys uh, before we even started on the air that I somehow I'm drawn to people who disagree with me. I, maybe they remind me of who I used to be or something. I just, I don't know. I <laughs> okay, so going going back to this um, this textbook thing, Mike, you were saying before that you know the librarians are the professionals and they make these choices, and certainly they care about the kids. I would I would love to believe that that is true, and I'm sure it is true in most cases. And yet, you do have some of these books that are horrendous, really, genuinely. There's stuff in some of these books that is like. I mean, Kevin Adams said in the meeting uh, Tuesday, Monday, I forget. He said, um, "I'm worried." that even by having a cordoned off section with some of these things, that we are in violation of the anti-obscenity statute right now with some of these books. And I, I think he's right. I think some of these, some of the books they're going to say can't be in any school. 
And some of them, they're going to say it's okay for some kids or whatever. Um, but yeah, and certainly they can be at the library. I mean, the the, the regular library mm-hmm. as well, right? Exactly. And but you know, you know, Andrew, and just a broad statement here, it can be a slippery slope. Also, it absolutely banning can be. Yep. books. It really, it really can. Absolutely. And I, and I agree. You know, if a book is obscene, you know, elementary school students do not need to be reading that book. But, but you know, one other thing, one other quick point, and I, I'm probably wrong here. If you outlaw books for high schoolers, you know the first book the high schooler is going to go find to read? <laughs> yes. And, and in fact, we were talking about the channel, one banned. Yeah, yeah. channel 3 did a, an interesting report the other day um, on one sophomore, I think, class where the teacher, an English teacher, had given the students the opportunity to write a book review on one of the books that have been proposed to be banned. And so because they're being, you know, restricted, that enticed them to read them, which probably never would have happened otherwise. I go directly to the banned book section. (laughs) Yes. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Let's go. And I'm the same way. And I was saying that, you know, I I don't know if it's like my background and if it's a conflict with my person, you know, who I am now. But yeah, I mean, tell me what I can't watch is absolutely where I'm going. Tell me what I cannot read. Absolutely. I want to see why. Don't draw attention to it. Nobody will ask questions. Yeah. Just just pass (laughs) over it. Nothing to see here. Everything is fine. Oh man, yeah, no, and it's. I mean, and it, it's really the. Um, to me, it's all the practical challenges of how you, if you really want to do censorship of any kind, you'll discover it's very difficult. Yeah. Because look, tell me that you know Jimmy, whose parents think that he ought to not be reading this stuff, is Jimmy friends with Mike, yeah. and what do Mike's parents think? Hey. And does Mike not have the ability to check the book out, and then Jimmy can? I mean, you know, like, sure. does it really accomplish the goal, right? Yeah. I think that's a good point. Have you ever met teenagers? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I know a lot of teenagers. Yes. Sometimes it takes a little bit of just human nature knowledge, right? right. And you that's deal right. with things appropriately. Common sense. Um, totally different subject. Uh, Santa Rosa County is now looking at impact fees again for the month time. <laughs> you know, they used to have them. And now, you know, the school board put some in and then that got litigated and they got thrown out. Uh, the the county commissioners never did fully implement uh, impact fees again, but now they're talking about them again. And, you know, the premise here is let's make people who are new to the area and stressing the infrastructure more like particularly roads. Um, let's make them pay a fee. It's such a weird thing to me because everybody uses the road, but it's also weird to me because the people who are here, I kind of agree with the assessment that the people who are here are the ones who are already stressing the roads. It's not the next person that causes the traffic. Mm -hmm. It's the people who are here already that Mm -hmm. cause the traffic. And don't we pay for that through ad valorem taxes? I mean, it's kind of like they want to make a tax increase, but they don't want to make a tax increase on the people who are here now and might vote them out for it, right? Well, it also sounds like they don't want new people here. Which which we know is very true in some areas of our our area. So um, by taxing them before they get here or as they're coming in, you're deterring people, new people coming here and creating lives and and, and funneling money into our economy. And uh, in the end, I don't it's a bad idea. And raising the price of housing, maybe not by a lot, but by by some several thousand dollars which might be the break point for somebody moving up from their mobile home or their apartment, Mm -hmm. which normally frees up affordable housing for other people to move into, but doesn't because people are stifled in their strata, right? I was just going to say, you hit it on the head. I think it can affect um, affordable housing, but it just affects development, period, insofar as the developers are going to have to make a profit. If they've got more fees they have to pay, then... um, 
I'm not sure they, they would develop a particular piece of property, which is not good for the community. So I, I think um, everything we've said, I think, makes sense. Well, the, the, the trade-off there, and I know some people will say we'd rather have the trees, which I understand. You know, I, I understand that sentiment entirely. But also, uh, the kind of the way I've been trying to think about this is it seems like we should be easily able to say something like the following. Okay, um, uh, you know, nine mile can handle so many cars per hour. And if we're going to build, uh, and, and if we build a new, you know, apartment complex over here, it's going to put a thousand more cars onto Nine Mile, and that exceeds the capacity. So, what improvements need to be? And Nine Mile maybe not be the best example, but pick any road, right? A lot of these are like very rural type roads until they build a development behind them, and you discover the problem. Um, the contractor who's developing that land into houses, why not make them build the road? Yeah. They build the road that's going to handle the capacity that their new residents are going to cause. And then, of course, they're going to pass that on, obviously, to the home buyer. But that that kind of makes sense to me. And until they build that road, they don't get to develop that land. That makes sense. Which I think was kind of the argument for Jubilee, which all failed. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't get the community development district, and they're certainly not going to get the upzoning they've actually pulled from it. But that was kind of the idea is a kind of a pre-taxing authority to issue bonds and then do the infrastructure and then make the homeowners pay for that over time and pay it back, which makes sense to me. Right. And, but overall, it's going to raise the cost of housing. Yeah. Right. And look at the market right now. How many people listening to us right now have looked into buying a home in today's world and said, I can't do it. It's right. Just, they're too expensive. Yeah. The price has just gone higher and you start doing Impact, impact fees, fees right? It's, it's a go, tax on houses. It's going to go even higher. And so I, I think it needs a lot of discussion before that's um, implemented. Yeah, I, I really do. Agreed. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break at Traffic on the Fives from Candy Cullerton. Good morning. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tra- tracking down all the traffic right now. We have an accident I-10 eastbound, mile marker 18. Roadway is not blocked, but there is a disabled vehicle in the roadway, so be careful. Mile marker 18, I-10 eastbound. North W Street in Yoakum Court in Pensacola, the inside lane is blocked, and Spring and Garden is closed in about a... a- Block north and south of that as well. Major utility construction and detours uh, around that area. Uh, if you see an accident or slowdown, you can text us, 437-1620. Candy Color to with your traffic on the fives. Thanks, Candy. Yeah. Back, back to Mike Wiggins and Meg Burke. The, the one thing about this whole impact fee discussion that bothers me is we're, we really can't figure out whether we want it to be a flat fee for all the structures, whether we want it to be a like based on the square footage, which to me is just another wor- version of raising ad valorem taxes. That's what that would be, except on new houses only, all right? And I, the, the problem I keep wrapping my brain around is it should be, if anything, like use, like by the number of cars or something like that. And the people that buy the 4,000-square-foot house, maybe it's a retired couple and they barely go out to drive. The people in the mobile home that they're just putting in, they might have three kids, a teenage, you know, I mean, and they've got five cars. How does square footage or price of home relate to use of the roads and stress on the infrastructure? I think as anything that deters from affordable housing at this point, mm. it does it doesn't even matter. That's the key goal. That's the key goal. Um, and you know, we were talking earlier. The quality of life survey is coming out on Monday. Oh, okay. Um, and just a, a a peek into the data is ooh, the ooh. quality of the um, affordable housing is one of the highest, I um, bet. highest negative rated areas in that survey data that you'll see on Monday. So um, I think anything that we're doing that's going to affect quality, the affordable housing is a 
kind of the key to yeah, all of this. That, that has to be a goal is figuring out how to get a, a, a greater volume of genuinely affordable housing, which we, yeah. you know, we were already, they say, stressed on this before the massively hot real estate market. And now it's obviously made that much worse. Right. And I, I couldn't say it better. Yeah. Um, I think you're, you're right on. I really do. And um, I it just can't keep tacking on extra costs mm-hmm. for housing. Um, affordable housing is a problem all over the country. It's a problem here. A lot of good people are working on it. A lot of solutions are on the table, but it's a tough, it's a tough one to solve. And I'm, I'm not sure I've got the answer for it today. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> is, it is. It is definitely challenging. Uh, Meg Burke, Mike Wiggins. You see, the time just goes by that fast. <laughs> so, thank you both for being here today. We'll have you back again, obviously, sometime in the future. But have a great weekend and uh, go Argos. We'll see you on Monday. Yeah.